It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Side Hustlers podcast. I am your host, Carla Marie from iHeartRadio. I started this podcast over a year and a half ago when I started realizing there were a lot of people that had a side hustle, a job outside of their day job. And I couldn't figure out why these people wanted to work more. So then I started this podcast, which essentially became my side hustle. And it's been a super rewarding experience for me getting to hear from these really passionate people that I've become friends with and that you've become friends with and that you've supported. It's it's an amazing community that I think we've all created together. So thank you for being here week to week. If this is your very first episode, you're in for a treat. I've got a girl who is local to Seattle. Her name is Kim, and she is the owner and creator of Fresh Tangerine, which she started in her early 20s and has been in business for over 10 years at this point. Kim's story is truly incredible. She started in her apartment and made a $200 investment in herself. This is Kim's story. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get up your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side, hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side, hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side, hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. Today, I'm actually in studio in Seattle, and I've got Kim here. Hi, Kim. Hi. So we literally met like 10 minutes ago, which is crazy to me. We haven't interacted at all before this, which I'm going to get into how that happened and why. But 
I am so excited to hear your story because I love what you do and I'm obsessed with your pieces. So you have a handmade jewelry line here in Seattle in Washington called Fresh Tangerine. Was that always what you wanted to do? Oh, my goodness. Um, Definitely (laughs) not. I've been making jewelry for as long as I can remember, but I never really saw it being a career path for me. I actually went to school for math and French, and I saw myself becoming an architect. And yeah, I graduated and then I quickly realized I did not want to go back to school right away. I was kind of burnt out. And so I went to France and I taught English for a year. That's cool. That is really cool. And then when you were there... Was there something you realized or you just decided time was up and you had to come back? Yeah. So it was through the French government and I was on contract. And at the end of the year, I decided not to renew my contract. And so I came home and I timed it perfectly so that I came home right in the middle of the recession. Ah. So (laughs) I, I grew up in Alaska and I didn't really want to move back there. So I moved to Portland and... I started looking for jobs and I actually went back to some stores. I worked retail all throughout college and I went back to the store that I worked at and I was like, hey, I'm back. You don't have to train yeah. me. Please hire me. And they're like, we're, there are no jobs. Like we're wow. laying people off. Even at like, and, and retail, which is crazy because yeah. there's always jobs in retail. Yeah, for sure. And but I people think people weren't shopping. So <laughs> yeah. And it was really a humbling experience. I think going to college, you know, you're told that you can do whatever you want. And I just kind of expected it to work out for me. And that was not the case. And so I ended up working at a call center in Portland. Okay. So when you say call center, are people calling you or were you calling people? I was receiving calls. So it was an answering service kind of marketed as a virtual receptionist company. So wow. I was answering phones for hundreds of different companies all around the U.S. Now, was that fun? In the beginning, it was. It was exciting because you kind of never knew who was going to, you know, call you. And you just like the screen would kind of pop, as they say, and like you would just read the greeting and answer the call. But then over time, I realized that was just not for me. I'm not someone who wants to sit in an office all day. And I kind of knew that I needed something more. I really wanted to feel passionate about what I was doing for work. And if you're a creative person, kind of being in that role is pretty soul crushing, I feel at some point. Being someone who's, I'm an extroverted introvert and it was really hard. You're taking two to 300 calls a day. So it was a lot of like, awkward conversations over and over. (laughs) And it was just really draining for me. Uh, For sure. So that's when you started hand making jewelry. So you were doing this in your apartment, right? Yeah. So I've, I've always made jewelry as a hobby and I would wear things. I never really thought about selling them. And I was at the point in the call center where I really wanted to do something else. And so I went to my favorite restaurant in Portland and I sat down and I just wrote all of my skills and things on a napkin. That that right there is something that I think everyone needs to do. Because how I've had friends say to me, you know, like, what are you good at? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've never thought about that. Yeah, and totally. It, it's crazy when you sit down, you write it down, and you're like, look at all these things I can do. And I think that's a great piece of homework for anyone listening right now. Even if it's just in your phone, on your lunch break, write five to ten things that you know you're really good at. And it just gives you a place to start. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I think I never would have discovered jewelry if I hadn't done that. And so I looked Which is crazy because you said you've been doing it forever. Yeah, I've been <laughs> making jewelry since I was seven, but I just was always like, this is my stress reliever. This yeah. is what I do at home when I'm like on the couch watching TV. This isn't a job. Mm-hmm. And so I just started making jewelry. I, you know, signed up from for some little craft markets in Portland and I was like, I'll just see 
if people even like what I mm -hmm. do. And so I did like a round of Christmas markets. I sold a lot of stuff. I got a lot of good information back and I decided like I'm going to actually try and make this a thing. So you were just selling in person at the time while you were still at the call center. Yeah. And then I started my Etsy shortly after. And then I was just working full time at the call center. And before and after work and every weekend, I was working on Fresh Tangerine. So was it called Fresh Tangerine at the time? It was. Yeah. And where did that name come from? Oh, um, I really loved the color orange at the time. And it was kind of one of those 2 a.m. I need a name. <laughs> How can I like be creative. I love it though. It really reflects the brand and I'm really glad that it's fresh tangerine, but it's something that just kind of popped in randomly. What year was it when you started that Etsy store? It was fall of 2010. So you've been doing this for a while. Yeah, we're coming up October's Fresh Tangerine's anniversary month. So it'll be nine years. Wow. Congratulations. Because that's insane. Thank first you. of all, nine years in one business. And for people listening right now, it's not just an Etsy store anymore. You've got, is it two brick and mortar locations in Seattle? Yes, two brick and mortars, an online shop, and then I also still wholesale to other small boutiques around the U.S. Like, that's incredible that you've come that far. And granted, I know nine years is a long time, but yeah. from someone who was like, oh, this is a hobby that I do all the time, to now having all of this, like, that's amazing. Yeah, it's still, it's funny. It's it feels pretty surreal. And like, quite honestly, it still feels like me in my apartment making jewelry on my floor. <laughs> and that's what you wanted to feel like. Yeah. Because that means you're still having fun. You're still passionate about it. You're still enjoying doing it. But kind of walk me through what happened. So you had the Etsy store. You were at the call center. At what point were you like, oh, this doesn't have to be a side hustle or I'm going to take the leap and do this all the time. I think that the business was ready, but I, it's really hard to kind of take that leap and say, I'm going to be self-employed. Like there's, it's really scary. And so what ended up happening is that just like my time at the call center needed to come to an end. I was really unhappy. I wasn't doing a good job and I just wasn't really myself anymore. So I decided to quit and just see, you know, what could happen with Fresh Tangerine if I gave it my all. And I want people right now to check out Instagram. It's at Fresh Tangerine or FreshTangerine.com to see the pieces that you make. Because I'm looking at them right now. You're wearing a lot of yeah. them. I want to go get my nose pierced right now because <laughs> you've got your nose pierced. But it really is awesome. And for me personally, I'm into like the delicate jewelry. So it really is beautiful. And I want people as they're listening to see what the heck we're talking about. Because it really is incredible. You are still physically hand making them the pieces yourself or do you have a team of people that know what you want how does that yeah, work so i have um a team of seven people some sales associates i have a production team and then an operations team i'm still designing the pieces we just released a collection where we designed them collaboratively but i'm still like very hands-on in the production process and i'm still making some of the pieces as well now you always you said you were doing this since you were a kid you were doing it as a hobby do you still make it the way you did when it was a hobby? Or do you look at it now like, do you have to do it differently because you're in this jewelry world? Is there like a design process, a, a phase where you get samples? And it, what is that difference, I guess? Yeah. Like so when I first started, it was just making things that I liked, trying to price them accordingly for how much time and raw materials it took and then selling them. And now running a company with a production line is a little bit different. We have to factor in raw materials. There's like a price cap for how much material we can use. There's a labor cap for how much it costs to make it. And then it's, you know, we have to hit a certain retail price point, make a certain profit and, 
you know, now there's a customer base to design for. Before I was really just designing things that I liked. And now it's about giving my customers something that I know they'll love, but wouldn't expect. Is there pieces that you make that you're like, I want to wear that, but I know everyone else will. Or are you still like designing no, for yourself? I, I've learned that if I don't like the piece, it's not going to sell. So wow. every piece that I make, I love and would wear. You just told me all those things that you have to do now because you are a full-fledged business, a production line, all of that. Was that something you kind of learned over time or was that like a smack in the face like, oh my God, I have to do all this stuff now? I definitely learned it the hard way. I think <laughs> starting to sell your product in stores, you you learn a lot. And I learned that I was underpricing my materials and my pieces because you have to be able to make a profit at that wholesale price. You learned that. And then what did you just go home? Like, what do you do in that process? Do you just like go home and sit there and be like, okay, I can charge this. Like, how do you, did you do market research? How do you decide what the hell you're going to charge people? Yeah, I always, so I'm self, I'm a self-taught jeweler. I didn't go to school for this. And I always say, I'm just really good at Googling things. Um, <laughs> I remember my first store meeting. I went in, I had my samples, you know, I was like so excited about my pieces and they were like, okay, you know, you need to come in and bring us a line sheet. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Next meeting, I'll bring you a line sheet. And I did not know what the heck a line sheet was. So I went home and I was like Googling, what is a line sheet? You know, I figured it out and I brought, I put in my best effort and I brought it to the next meeting. Well, for people who don't know what a line sheet is, what is a line sheet? Yeah, a line sheet is something that stores use to buy product. And it's just like a simple photograph of the product and then the wholesale price and the retail price of the product. And obviously that is super helpful for a company when you're going to go into a store and be like, hey, sell our stuff. Yeah. Listen, you learned and you turned it around and did that store end up buying from you? They did. Yeah. That's awesome. Are you said you're in stores all over the U.S. as well? That's wild. Yeah. So we have the biggest base in Seattle. But yeah, we sell to small boutiques all over the U.S. Now, if people go to FrenchTangerine.com, because we've got people who listen to the podcast from all over, can Mm -hmm. they see where they can go in store and purchase you have yeah all- we have a whole list of all of our different stores and then you can also order online okay uh, duh obviously yeah. but mm-hmm. if they want to go in person support For sure. local kind, like seattle and local to their business they can total to their city i can't even talk right now they can totally do that yes you have seven people who work for you mm-hmm what, well, who was the first employee? When did you bring them on? I'll go back a little bit back to my Portland days. I kind of I was doing the full time solo maker, you know, Etsy shop craft show yeah. gig. And I kind of grew Fresh Tangerine to what it could be in that phase. And I decided I wanted to grow it more. So in 2014, I moved to Seattle and I packed up my studio and just came here. I didn't know anyone. And I got a space in Pioneer Square. Why Seattle? Um, It was close enough to Portland and I'm from Alaska. So it was a little bit closer to home and I saw the opportunity there at the time. There weren't really a lot of boutiques and I feel like there's still aren't that many, but there's a lot of, you know, big business. And so I felt like this community, one needed more creativity and Mm -hmm. two had could sustain, you know, a small boutique or my handmade line. Yeah. It's a very tech city. Like there's, there's tech stuff everywhere there. And that is one thing I noticed when moving here. It's like, where do people shop for things? Like where, like there weren't that many cute stores or I cute is just a a loose word to use, but creative stores. And now you do, like you're saying, you do see them popping up. So it was very smart of you to move here when you've got all these Amazon people moving and all these Expedia people coming here and they need places to shop. It's so smart, Mm -hmm. especially in the area 
where you moved, where a lot of those businesses are downtown. Yeah. And I love Pioneer Square. It's such a great neighborhood. Anyone who's in Seattle should spend some time down there. It's like super creative. So yeah, I moved to Seattle and then I was just so overwhelmed with making things and orders and setting up a studio that I knew I needed help. So I hired a couple of people in 2014. And that's, I think, one of the choices that changed the whole business for me. And it became more about, you know, creating a community both with my employees, but then also our customer community. And today we're very much about, you know, creating meaningful connections through jewelry. Did you find it hard, though? Like you've been this is your baby. You know, you've had you've been doing this forever, like you said, and you created it in your apartment and it was 2 a.m. when you were working on things. Was it hard to bring people on and pass things off to them? Oh my gosh, it's so hard. I think that hiring people is one of the most challenging things that any entrepreneur faces because you are like you have an emotional connection to this brand and your employees like I have the best team in the whole world and they love coming to work, but their relationship with Fresh Tangerine is different than mine. And it should be. I mean, it it should be. Yeah. But it's hard because I feel like so many times as we want people to love the brand as much as we do and understand it, but they just, they can't. Mm-hmm. They they weren't in your apartment with you working on it back in when you originally launched in 2000, was it 10 totally. when you first started? Yeah. So they weren't there for that, but sometimes we expect them to understand that and they can't. Yeah. And I think like what I've learned recently is like, you know, my employees deserve to have their own relationship with Fresh Tangerine. My relationship is a very, you know, personal one. I started it from nothing, but they're coming in at the time that they're coming in and they should be able to feel however they want about it. And so it's been a hard lesson, but I've slowly learned to like let go of things. And, you know, jobs that don't excite me when someone's doing them for the first time are really exciting and they deserve the opportunity to, you know, be able to do something that excites them too. In this whole process, what was your disaster experience? Because I know you've got to have it not necessarily with an employee, <laughs> yeah. but something that went epically wrong. That is like you're you look back now and you're like, oh, my God, remember when that happened? And you're so past it now. But there's got to be something. Well, there definitely was. So I like decided to do a trade show, which is just like it's kind of like a craft show, but for buyers. And so I went and did this trade cool. show in Vegas. Magic. It's a very popular Heard of one. It, yes. And I wrote all the orders and I had committed all of this jewelry to these stores and I had to come back to home and like make all the stuff. It's when it was just me. And oh, so wow. I made like 600 of the friendship bracelet. And then I also had to go to a craft show in Chicago. So I brought all those bracelets with me and I sold all of them in two days. All the bracelets you were supposed to send to other places. Yes. So in two days, all 600 bracelets were gone, which is amazing. Yeah. But then I had to come home and like bust out 600 more bracelets in just like a couple weeks. But how long does it take you then to make one bracelet at that time? Those bracelets take about 15 minutes. But okay, 15 times 600 is I'm not math, but I'm not. You're the math major. (laughs) You might know that answer way quicker than I do. Basic math is not for me. Um, But yeah, it took me like a lot of Netflix. My hands by the end of it were just so sore. And I think that was a great learning experience on how to not overcommit. Yeah. I mean, and which I'm sure is hard because if the demand is there, you want to be like, yes, yes. You don't want to turn away people or business. But for sure, at the same time, you need to, like you're saying, you can't overcommit. 
But yeah, I wish I had had a better plan in place. <laughs> for sure. But I'm sure now you do. Yeah. Now that, that you've learned from that and it's not going to happen again. It was kind of a good problem to have, I guess, that people wanted your stuff. You wanted yeah, your pieces. Yeah, I think it's a great, yeah. It's not really a problem so much right. as like poor time management on my end. <laughs> All good though. Look, you learned from it and now here we are. Yeah. Instagram, obviously, it is a lot of a big part of a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. But I know so many times I'm scrolling and I do see a lot, at least in the Explore page, a lot of jewelry companies. Yeah. How do you compete in that world where it's just, it's Instagram, it's aesthetic, and it's just trying to catch people's attention? Yeah, jewelry is a very saturated market. And I think it can be hard to be like, is there space for me? Like, do yeah. people that with so much jewelry out there in the world, like, how do I compete? And I definitely believe that there's room for everyone. And, you know, no one can... It's not just about the piece of jewelry, like anyone can make, you know, a piece of delicate jewelry, but it's about the story behind it, your version, how you package it, what Instagram photo you take. And, you know, two bracelets can be very similar, but very different at the same time. When you launched your business, I guess Instagram was, it wasn't even Instagram a thing. Instagram didn't exist. No. You, lucky that you were kind of young in this world of Instagram, you were in your 20s doing yeah. this. It's not like you were 50, like screw technology, because there are definitely businesses that took a hit from not wanting to jump on the Instagram train. So you kind of were getting Instagram as a normal 20 something year old Mm -hmm. as your business was growing. So do you feel like you were able to just jump into it right away? Or were you like, why would I use this for my business? Yeah. I kind of like dabbled. If you go way back, you can go all the way to the beginning of fresh tangerine speed and see like all the horrible filtered photos, like the Kelvin (laughs) filter toaster. (laughs) Yeah. But that was definitely, you know, social media is a great, free marketing tool for small business. And, you know, even today I have two brick and mortar stores and online shop, a team of seven people, and we have a pretty much a $0 marketing budget and we're still so scrappy. (laughs) I love that though. Scrappy is a good thing. Yeah. Do you, so you don't spend any money to boost any Instagram? No. So right now, yeah, Instagram, we have a very strict kind of posting schedule and I view it as a way for people to kind of quickly shop and kind of see like a, quick snapshot of the brand. Do you have the option where people can shop through Instagram? I don't know how yeah. that works for a business. Yeah. So the web platform we use for our e-commerce website is Shopify. I've and heard then, all the things, but Shopify yeah. should 100% sponsor this podcast. They by should, now. Yeah. Everyone talks about <laughs> Shopify. But yeah, so you can like create a link through Shopify. That's cool. Do you see a lot of ads coming from Instagram? Oh, I'm sorry. A lot of business sales coming through Instagram? Yeah, I think it's really hard to track like direct sales, but I think it's a combination of just like putting things on Instagram, people coming to the store and like maybe seeing it elsewhere, like email marketing, and then we'll see kind of a conversion to a sale of that product. That's cool. So earlier in the podcast, I said you and I hadn't met prior to 10 minutes before sitting down doing this podcast. And that's because you have someone who does PR for you. Her name is Sarah, and I might have her on the podcast in the future, which I'm excited about. How did that happen? And and talk a little bit about the PR world and having someone represent your brand and why it's important and all those things. Sure. So full disclosure, Sarah is a good friend of mine. We actually met at like a blogging Photoshop workshop in Portland. Cool. And then she moved to Seattle. Then I moved to Seattle and we kind of reconnected. And she's been in PR for a long time. And she was always telling me like, Kim, this is something that you should do. This is. And I was like, what is PR? Yeah. And she was like, you know, explained it to me. And, you know, it's really just a way to share your story is kind of how I view it. 
Well, because you're also spending the time on your business. You don't have the time to always do the things like what Sarah did. Sarah reached out to me and said, I've got this awesome person that I really think should be on your podcast. Uh, Kim was side hustling while working in a call center after college and told me all about everything you did. And I was like, yeah, let's make this happen. And then she also sent me information that's like, it's these all and I'm like they're just two pieces of paper that I have but I think it's so smart it's kind of like a one sheet about your business and a timeline of how everything went down yeah and I'm like okay one I need this for my own life and my own brand I think it's awesome but just the fact that she was able to send me this just it's great representation of you it's Mm -hmm. great representation representation of your company I am having I need someone to speak for me is what I actually need. And just having that, it's like, damn, this girl's got her stuff together. Whether you do or not, I'm like, it's a great representation. And it's amazing that you have someone that you can trust putting your brand out there. Yeah, I would 100% recommend hiring a PR person if you can. I think like Sarah did a really great job of helping me tell my story. Like it's not that, you know my story needed to change it all. It's exactly how it happened, but she was able to highlight things and give me a way to tell it that was digestible for, you know, for media. Yeah. Has she, so what other things then has Sarah been able to help you out with for people who are like, why would, why should I do PR? Okay. You got on Carla Marie's podcast, big whoop. What What else? So she definitely, she got Fresh Tangerine featured on some like online publications. I was on the news. But I think most importantly, she helped me craft my story. And now I have different threads that I can tell. And then she also met with me one on one. And we practice speaking and telling the story. And she's like, this is these are words you should use. These are words you shouldn't use. This is how you come off. Is that how you want to come off? Oh, I need that for sure. (laughs) Yeah, just getting that direct feedback. And she's so kind and supportive. And she's like my biggest cheerleader as well. How long have you guys been working together? Uh, We just started working together this year. Damn, that's awesome, though, that you're, you know, it's really showing. So I had Sarah from Constellation and Cohen's podcast, also local to Seattle. She also had a, a publicist reach out mm-hmm. to me. And it's it's cool to see two local Seattle businesses who are really being smart about putting yeah. their company out there. It's funny. Sarah from Constellation & Co. is great. We actually carry her cards in both of my stores. Oh, and I awesome. love her work and the messaging. It's incredible yeah. what she does. It's amazing. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back after this one. So then explain about, I didn't even realize you had cards in the store. What else is in Fresh Tangerine if I'm going to go into the store. Yeah. So the Pioneer Square store is definitely focused on the jewelry. We have all of our ready to wear kind of line and then also a few pieces of fine jewelry, like solid gold pieces that I'm trying to expand. Um, And then we also carry cards in that location. Capitol Hill is more of a gift shop. You can find candles, cards. Uh, We have some cool like wellness kits with crystals and Palo Santo. Um, We have tarot cards. So then I guess for you, you started going to businesses and trying to get them to sell your pieces in their yeah. stores. So now you have a store and I guess yes. you're kind of, it's reverse. So you've got- Yeah, I'm on the other side. What is that like? Oh my goodness. So I definitely used all of my experiences with stores to try and be the best, you know, store vendor that I could yeah. be. And I definitely, I try and choose lines that I personally love and that have a good story and that are small- businesses as well. I think that's really important to support each other. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and the businesses who don't support each other are not the businesses that generally succeed. Right. For sure. Like you could say 
no, I don't want to carry you in here because I think it may be bigger than what I have. But that doesn't make sense. That person has a great story and a great product. Why not put it in your store? Yeah, and I feel like it's such an honor to be able to carry these brands. And like, I think what people don't realize is like a brand that you want to carry can say no to you. No matter what size they are, they can be small and they can say, you're not for me. So it's like, it's a relationship that you have to build. That's cool. Yeah, that's true. Like their brand, their baby is being represented by you. So they want to, that is an honor. I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. It's a really cool way to look at They're it. They're placing trust in you to share their story and their work. How often are you in the stores? Because I was going to, I like I told you, I was trying to go last night. I didn't yeah. get a chance to go. And I was like, I wonder if she's going to be there. Is that going to be weird? Because I haven't met her yet. And I just show up in her store. Yeah. So I don't work in the stores very often anymore. Um, but I occasionally I'm, I'll work a shift in either location. And I'm, call, I'm always there like checking in, rearranging things. But I spend most of my time in my studio I love that you just said rearranging things because I just been like I, that would totally be me. I'd go into a store and I'd be my own store and be like, nope, I need to move everything around. Yeah, I always do that. <laughs> and my sales associates are just like, Kim's here again. Like moving things around. Store's going to be completely different. Yeah, but at least they know. Yeah, they know. That's hilarious. OK, so I want you to this may be a little hard, but think about yourself at 22, 23 after college mm -hmm. when you were doing this. If there is a 22 or 23 year old listening to this podcast right now who's got a hobby or a passion and they love that and maybe they hate their day job, what is that one piece of advice you can give them right now? I would say there's no rush. Take your time. You don't have to, you know, rise to the top quickly. I very much believe that slow, intentional growth is the way to create a business that will sustain and last a long time. Um, that is amazing. I love that. I'm going to quote that and put that everywhere because <laughs> it's it really is. And it's true. And you are proof that that has happened. Kim, thank you for being here. I want everyone to go support you and buy everything. It's freshtangerine.com, uh, freshtangerine on Instagram. Go give her all the love. Thank you. Seriously. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Thank you for listening to Kim's story. Check out Fresh Tangerine. That's freshtangerine.com. Thank you for being here week to week. If you ever have any questions about side hustlers, someone you want to recommend for the podcast, reach out to me on Instagram. It's at the Carla Marie. You can also email if you don't want to do the Instagram thing. It's side hustlers podcast at gmail.com. Until next week, keep hustling. Just in case you need one more round. The Last Call Podcast with Carla Marie and Anthony. One last little taste to hold you over till tomorrow. Available worldwide on the iHeartRadio app. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. 
Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.